Hey everybody and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities. I'm Randy Cardoon. Now this past week was the Big Specialty Equipment Market Association show in Las Vegas, or as the in-people know it as... SEMA. It's a place where those in the car industry get together to talk all there is to restore and rebuild cars, trucks, and motorcycles from any era. And I had a chance to catch up with also some friends of Talking About Cars to get their insights into what's new and what they look forward to when they show up at an event like this for a week of fun, frivolity, and yes, flywheels. But first, Gene Winfield, the veteran car customizer. What happened to him in Finland, in his words? And just how much was raised on a GoFundMe page that ended up getting him back home again? First, let's get some background from fellow customizer John Diagostino, who was in Finland with Gene for a big awards presentation at a car show there. Gene was doing a show in Spain, or Austria, when, when I was in California with you at the San Bernardino show a few weeks before. But Gene ended up uh, flying in uh, to to the Finland show in Latte, Finland. It's called Yankee Car Show. It's an hour north of Helsinki. Anyway, we met there. We stayed at the same hotel. We ate together. We talked about doing the Yankee Car Show. Uh, and what they were going to do this year is they had four Americans there. It was myself, it was Gene, it was Billy Gibbons, and it was Jimmy Shine. So we represented America. And uh, why we all got together is because the promoter, Michael and Kersey, that owned the Yankee Car Show in Latte, Finland, wanted to put together the first European Hall of Fame. And since the Oakland started it way back in the, in, the, in the 60s, the way they did it back then, the promoter then picked eight honorary members to actually get in there. So they, they picked us. Then the, then the second year, you have to be voted in. So Michael, the promoter in Finland, said, Johnny, we want you to explain how it started in the Oakland, and then we want to follow what they did. So what he did, he did the same thing. He actually honored eight Hall of Fame members the first year, which was just in October, end of September, and uh, four of them were American. There were two from Sweden and two from Finland. So, uh, and the thing was, is we were supposed to have it on Saturday night at seven o'clock. Show started on Friday. So here it is. I'm getting up on the awards ceremony with the uh, with the other people, other five people, but we're missing two. We're missing Gene Winfield, we're missing Billy Gibbons. So I tell Michael, the promoter, I said, Michael, we can't start this ceremony unless we get everybody together. So he says, well, I'll try to get a hold of Billy. Well, Billy left a few hours early and went back to the room to relax a little bit, and he ends up calling back up. He was supposed to be here at eight o'clock. And so Billy called up and told the promoter, listen, why can't we do it tomorrow at the awards ceremony? So he's out of it. Just a minute before he called, Michael is walking to the award ceremony with Gene, and he's in the middle of the concert hall there where the award ceremony is. And I'm up there waiting to get started with Billy and, 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 uh, and Gene. And all of a sudden, I see Gene walking, and then I don't see him because there were so many people. There had to be two or 3,000 people there waiting for us. Well, what happened? supposedly coming from the promoter gene slipped on or he tripped on the cords from the you know how they do the music and the lighting right and they have it in the middle of the of the of the of the ceremony though before you get to the stage usually it's covered by some rubber yeah, or something exactly and it was it was but he actually tripped he went right down he fell right down and right and i didn't know that at the time until about 10 minutes later he promoter comes to me and said john we can't have the hall of fame we have to do it tomorrow. I said, why? 
Gene is on his way to the hospital. He just tripped, and, and we had to help him back up, and he's in pain. And again, remember, if you don't know already, Gene is how old? 91 years old. He was born on, uh, I think it's June, uh, June 8th or June 9th, 1927. Fast forward a little bit, you found out he was kind of serious. Oh, yeah. I mean, we didn't know really what really happened. Did he have a heart attack? Did he? I mean, we didn't know until the next day they came to me, Michael, the promoter and, and everybody, and they said that he fractured his hip and he has to go to surgery. He can't fly back and the whole bit. So we end up doing the award ceremony on Sunday at the award ceremony, the Hall of Fame, uh, without Gene, in memory of Gene and all that. And we had a champagne toast and we're all together. And it was just so sad because Gene was the number eight guy. He was supposed to be with us and he wasn't. But in, in our heart, Gene was there. And, and we mentioned his name, that Gene, we had a little problem and he can't be here, but he's in the first annual European Hall of Fame. So the drama continued, then they started asking for money to fly him back. Yeah, basically uh, they found out what was wrong with them. They knew he had to stay there for a while. We knew he was going to be there for three or four weeks minimum. So it happened about a week after that, Johnny B, that works for Gene, started to GoFundMe, which was the best thing that could have happened. Because that GoFundMe started within within an hour or two, they were, it was up to 10, 15, 20,000. And I think it ended up hitting about $110,000. Yeah, so that helped Gene get the medical air back to America to help because it's very expensive. He is so happy, I mean, that he has so many friends around the world, not just America. We're talking around the world that really helped him out. He says, I couldn't afford to actually pay that kind of money. It was about $140,000 to have a flight from Finland to America. And he ended up getting mostly all that money. And maybe he ended up even getting more than that. I don't know. But all I know that Gene is going to be here at SEMA. Hey, he might not be walking like the Gene Winfield, but he will be here. And I guarantee you, you give him two or three months, he'll be back the way he was. Customizer John D'Agostino. And he wasn't kidding. Gene not only showed up, but he threw a curveball into what everybody thought happened to him in Finland. Gene? My girlfriend and I were heading for a bathroom. And then we were going to go back to the stage. So we were, it was dark and it was in, you know, there was a dance hall, dance floor there, but they had a big cable thing going out to the center. And I tripped over that and she fell on top of me and I cracked my hip. And so they had to put a new metal and screw in there and all that jazz. And so I'm so very happy to be home now. And, uh, we had a heck of a time uh, trying to get a medical flight home, but we finally finally made it, and, and uh, so I'm here at SEMA and I'm having a great time. So you were in the hospital and you were supposed to, they wanted to keep you for how long? I was in there 24 days, 24 days in the hospital. I had a touch of, I had a touch of pneumonia, and that was part of the, part of the problem then. Then they didn't want me to fly. But your crew, saying Gene wouldn't want that, decided to do a GoFundMe page. So what was your thought when you heard they were trying to do a GoFundMe page? Well, I, it's just wonderful, and I'm so happy. So many people around the world that, that donated, whether they donated a dollar or, or $2,000 or 10 whatever, it's just wonderful that all those people love me and, and did that for me, and I'm just so happy. I can't begin to tell you how much uh, gratitude I have for that. And they brought you back. So how are you now? I mean, I, you, you cracked your hip, you're coming off a pneumonia, and not only are you here at SEMA, but ladies and gentlemen, you did not see it, but Gene was signing autographs standing up. You are the $6 million man, sir. 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. Anyway, I'm going to keep going no matter what, because I'm, uh, I'm just getting started in this life. Well, and then, then he has a, a little wheelchair. He's Well, it's not even a wheelchair. It's a nice wheelchair. It's a little uh, roadster. We, Let's call it a little roadster scooter. Yeah, we rode it, rented a little scooter for me, and it was great. And then Gene says, as we sit down, or we get comfortable, so to speak, he says, do you want to sit down? And he points at the uh, scooter. <laughs> and I'm going, wait a minute. You're the one. Hey. So, you know, you're, you're one tough guy. All right. Thank you so much, Randy. It's, it's so glad to be here. I'm so happy that I'm being able to make a part of this SEMA show. 91-year-old Superman Gene Winfield. His GoFundMe page scored over $117,000. Now to SEMA, as told by some of our Talking About Cars friends. First, Dennis Gage of My Classic Car. Dennis, what has really caught your eye at SEMA this year? Uh, how do you narrow it down? It's uh, SEMA's the best of the best. I think the, I think the most amazing thing is, frankly, that it just gets bigger and bigger every year. You, you really can't, you can't narrow it down because every turn is something more amazing than the last thing you just saw. Yeah, cars especially, it's like pick one that you really like kind of thing. And the technology too, it seems to be going in all sorts of different directions. Has you seen any cutting edge technology that kind of made you take notice? I, I, you know, the SEMA is where all the cutting edge technology is displayed. And every year you come here and see things that I didn't think they could do that. And yet, every year they dial it up and, and stuff that you wouldn't, I mean, you just wouldn't imagine. Certainly 3D printing uh, has revolutionized so many things uh, in design and, and, and rapid prototyping and stuff. So I think 3D printing has made a huge difference uh, for, for all technologies on display here. You can make just about anything for a car based on a 3D printing. Last year's SEMA show, they 3D printed an entire car here at SEMA, live. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so I'm sure you're walking around so much, you have to have comfortable shoes. So what are you, what are you wearing here? What's, uh, what's your comfortable shoes? Well, I, you know, I use Merrell's. I think they're a very comfortable shoe to begin with. But the secret, the trick, the real trick is a pair of custom orthotics inside. Ah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it, it will save you. Uh, I have a spring in my step <laughs> and a song in my heart. Last thought in uh, the show coming up now, uh, how many years has it been and uh, are, you, are we still doing it for next year? Oh, uh, My Classic Car, my show? Uh, yeah, this is like the 24th year of the show. Um, it refuses to die. Um, we could, you know, who knows? I mean, if I hold up, it could be the 50th show next time we talk. I don't know. You're doing stuff now out of the country, I've noticed. Oh, we, yeah, we've shot all over the world. I mean, literally have. And, and, the, and the, the hobby's universal. I mean, it's everywhere. It's uh, kind of this, uh, this uh, great uniting uh, component, the automotive, and, and to, a, to a somewhat lesser extent, but motorcycles also, uh, internal combustion in general, I think. So, yeah, I mean, we go everywhere, and, and, and the hobby's everywhere. Then I caught up with Bogey from All Girls Garage. Oh, my God, there's so many good things about SEMA. I, it's the one time a year where you get together with all of your car family, you know, some folks that you don't see throughout the rest of the year. And so that's always fantastic. And of course, seeing the fans is always amazing. They are what allows me to do what I do. So I'm very grateful for them. Love being out here. Love seeing all the eye candy, seeing all the new tools, all the new parts, all the new everything. SEMA's like, you know, sensory overload. <laughs> that's true. All the stuff that's here, and gosh, there seems to be so much of everything new. I mean, anything you could do to anything or any car seems to be out here. What is, if you've had a chance to look around, what's just wowing you so far? 
Oh, what's wowing me? There's so much, it's hard to narrow it down to just one or two things. Um, I always like seeing the goofy cars. Um, so actually out on the, um, the Shell Pennzoil area, there is a old Volvo, which they did a phenomenal job on. Um, That's Jeff Allen's car, that yeah, Volvo thing? Yeah, yeah, I kind of dig that. I just love when people do kind of outside the box, the unusual stuff, but there's so many amazing cars here. I, just everywhere you turn, it's like, ooh, I love that one. No, I love that one more. <laughs> With the show, what's going on in the future we should all be looking out for? Well, it is not officially a done deal, but every, all signs point to yes that we'll be starting another season next year. So we'll be starting season eight, which is insane that we've been on the air this long. Um, so all sorts of fun new projects coming your way. And um, at my personal garage, um, we are actually announcing another all-female build that we're doing. So uh, that's going to start sometime early 2019. Do you know what it's going to be yet? Um, I'm not revealing that quite yet, <laughs> but it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to take two years to do it this time, so opportunity for way more women to come down and get involved and learn along with us. Well, that's going to be quite a build to look forward to. Bogey's cohort on the show is the always fun Rachel DeBarros. Rachel, how many of these shows have you been to now? I would say over 10. I stopped counting over 10. It's kind of like birthdays. Once you kind of reach a certain birthday, just best not to know. <laughs> That's a pretty good. So you quit counting after your 10th birthday. Huh? I'm sure there's a there's a question about that. Well, yeah, you know, that that way you can keep it kind of you can kind of just hone in that childlike fun the first time you see shiny cars. And so you kind of just trap yourself in that type of mindset and it gets you through Seamageddon, which is a lot of crowds, amazing cars, of course, but it's really that one opportunity once a year to catch up with people that you've talked to over the phone, maybe you've Skyped, but now you can just get together, see them in 3D, catch up on personal life too, not just business all the time. What, what, you people have personal lives as well? Listen, we tried, we tried, we, we, we squeeze it in. I would say it's about a 90-10 you know, percent type of thing. That's always good. So what has been the biggest fun amount of fun though for you when you come to these events the biggest fun is just seeing the innovations i like to spend time at the new products areas just to see what's coming out and there's such a huge variety it's interesting to see technology really making its way not only into the vehicles but the parts themselves and so all the aftermarket having to talk to your existing stock system and of course the ingenuity behind the design of the car so you have a stock vehicle whether it's an older car or a late model vehicle and seeing how far some of these builders are pushing it. Has there been anything that's really knocked you over so far that you've been able to see here that's really made you think, wow? Yes, and the interesting thing is, in my 10 plus years of coming to SEMA, one genre that you don't really see here are the rat rods. And that's kind of interesting. I think a lot of people have various opinions about it. Do they belong here with these big, shiny, very expensive, oftentimes vehicles? But when you look at the craftsmanship that goes behind these vehicles, it's really amazing. And I just, I've been to a couple of them two, three times. And every time I pass by, I'm noticing new and different things. And now I see more and more rat rods every year that I came out. And this year probably is, is the pinnacle. We actually have them inside the convention center. In the past, they've only been kind of sprinkled outside. But Periphery. Yes, but they're taking over. <laughs> Are you a Rat Rod fan? This might be something we didn't know about you. Yeah, it kind of came upon me. And so I think definitely it's, it's one of the genres I really appreciate because 
it's accessible. You watch a lot of car shows, you see a lot of the cars around me, and a lot of these are six, seven-figure vehicles, and they're great to look at and take pictures and really marvel, but for the average person, we're, we're not building things like this. Whereas rat rods, that's accessible. Anybody can go to a junkyard, grab a car, build it from scratch, use things you find in a junkyard or in your own home. It's a good way to kind of clean out the house, you know? And and just basically the guy form of hot glue gun crafting, just stick it on the vehicle in various ways. Yeah, get your old spatulas, put it in there as a stick shift and you're in. You're in completely. <laughs> Old broomstick, the handle broke off, no problem, right. shifter. Well, that's recycling in a way. Exactly. So what has been the craziest car you've seen or the best car you've seen so far? All right, craziest car? Well, we're right here at the Covercraft booth, and I've seen some really amazing builds. But this one is interesting because although this is not like a new reveal or anything like that, behind me is a 1965 Impala. Now, when you walk by, and this is a Chip Foose car, 2015 Riddler Award winner. And what's really cool about it, like every car, it's not so much the car, but the story behind the car. And this starts with an older couple called Don and Elma. So just by the names, you can see the period in which we're speaking. And every car build often starts with a love story. And so they had this car ever since they were married and they wanted it to be a daily driver. So who do you go to for that kind of stuff? Well, Chip Foose, of course. Of course. Uh, of course. You know what? Silly me, I didn't even think about it. Absolutely. So two years into the build, uh, they're, they're already into it and they're like, you know, what would more would it take to make it a Riddler Award winner? And Chip Fu starts thinking and they come up with uh, ideas and lo and behold, you have this 1965 Impala sitting on a 2009 Corvette chassis, the engine, drivetrain, electrical, hoses. None of that has been modified because it was really important to the couple that if they broke down, if they had issues, they could take it to a dealership or a trusted mechanic and just swap out the parts. So you're not getting something on the inside that's super high customized but the entire car had to be shortened so if you were to walk by you kind of do a double take because like a lot of Chip Foose work it's a, the subtleties it's all in the subtleties of what pieces are missing how the quarter had to kind of be restructured to fit that Corvette chassis. Well, I'm just looking at it here and obviously we're doing this on uh, audio only so you can't see it but it is not as wide as your typical Impala. And again, we're looking at that from the standpoint of it being under a cover. So that's that's the first thing that strikes me is it's not as big. No, not only the length, but the width of it as well. And so you kind of get like a sportier, like younger version of an Impala, but then you get that handling, you know, of, of your Corvette. So it's kind of the best of all worlds for Don and Elma. So I'm hoping that once this car is done at show circuit, I mean, she takes it out, go to the grocery store, go to your local shopping center. Heck, come on, man. This is an amazing car. Everybody should see it. Absolutely. But wouldn't you feel a little weird part taking a car that has had that much work in it, taking it over to your local pavilions or, or Kroger or whatever, and then you'd have to park it way far away because you don't want any you know shopping cart to ding it for heaven's sake. Exactly. So park it in the very last spot and then walk a mile. So do this when you're eating. You can walk a mile, have your amazing dinner, and then walk off that meal all the way back to your car. Absolutely. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like amazing car and exercise program in one. Okay, what's what's the latest on your Gearhead Diva website and all that other stuff that we should look out for and uh, what's going on with you and the show? 
Sure. So for the Gearhead Diva, we it actually now is under a network called Wonderspawn. And Wonderspawn is pretty cool because looking at how 360 video and VR is just kind of beginning to become more and more popular, we do a lot of programming that puts the viewer directly into the seat. So we build side by side and the viewer can see my entire shop. Oftentimes I'm missing tools and they see it right on the camera. So we do this live. They're like, oh no, that 10 millimeters under your foot. It's, it's right there. It's right Seriously, there. you get people that actually go, uh, hey, it's over there right by you. Yeah, and so we build together and because of the 360 experience, it's like they're sitting right next to me building side by side. Wow, we'll have Not to check that. Not alone anymore. I could get really cool and really creepy at the same time. Yeah, exactly. But we talk and it's kind of like sitting at home on the couch with your, you know, favorite buddy and building together and, you know, just kind of complaining about the same problems we all run into. Rusted bolts and we got to finish this project because I actually have to drive this to work Monday morning. <laughs> So obviously that's Wonderspawn.com? Yes, Wonderspawn.com, and we have YouTube as well. Definitely check that out. Now, here's a guy I finally caught up with, never had him on the show before, from the show Garage Squad, yep, the one, the only, Bruno Massel, the busiest man in television. He's racing all over SEMA, too. Bruno, how do you do it? Well, I'm, I'm carb-loading to try and keep going. Um, I work on two shows for Velocity, Garage Squad and Truck U, which consume a lot of time throughout the course of the season. And then when I'm not working on those, I work on the NHRA broadcast for Fox. So I do the color commentary for the uh, the Pro Mod show, um, as well as the Lucas Oil show, and then I work as an analyst reporter on the Mellow Yellow Pichellas. And I try and squeeze in my own racing and a family somehow along the way. So it's uh, a bit cumbersome. Yeah, and I know right there under your list, right there under the Mendoza line, is doing the Talking About Car show, which, of course, you can answer all the questions that uh, Heather and Joe and everybody else gave us about you, all sorts of vicious rumors, and I'm sure you'll be able to square those away. Yeah, at some point in time, I'll be able to, you know, put the axe to all that stuff, you know. Uh, I'm sure it was meant in fun. If not, it's all right. It's all good. It's all family. You know? Spray was involved. <laughs> yeah, Heather loves to comment on my hair, but that's all right. Um, we have a good time working on that show, and uh, this week, actually, I'm out here at SEMA covering um, a one-hour show for Velocity, uh, signing autographs right now in Dussel's Blastings booth. So. Last question is, what have you seen around here that just has opened into your eyes? The electric Copo Camaro that is in the GM booth. Yeah, I, I heard rumors of it. I'm tightly, t pretty tight with this Chevrolet. Um, I hadn't seen it yet, but I do a lot of the R&D and a lot of the development for the Copo Camaros and getting them on the track. So I, I went and saw it for the first time here. They kept it for me, and uh, it's truly awesome. Yeah, it's a 720 horsepower electric engine. Pretty neat, yeah. That's a wild angle on that Camaro, don't you think? Stacy David of the TV show Gears, the cool cars isn't the first thing he looks at when he comes to this show. Ironically, the first thing I look at is the new products because I want to see what people are coming out with. You know, the cars, I'll get to those, but I want to see what people have come up with, what the trends are, kind of what kind of what people are thinking, what's going on in the in the country as far as what they like, the four-wheel drive guys, the the import guys, the muscle car guys, the restoration guys, what are they into? What kind of products are hitting the market? What have you seen that just uh, you think is going to be a big thing? Well, right now, forced induction, man, uh, whether it's superchargers or turbos, that's the hot ticket right now. And it's that's where everybody's going. Of course, with these newer engines, it's, it's the easiest thing to do. So there's a lot of really unique approaches to this. There's only so many ways you can turbocharge a car. Or, or supercharge it, but it's it's interesting to see some of the people that are coming out with the new CNC machines. You know, guys are able to make things that you know they couldn't do. 
a few years ago. So that's always good to see. And then the cars. I've got a lot of friends that are in some of the competitions, you know, the Battle of the Builders. And you know, always try to go by and see what Chip's done or, or Dave Kendig and, and Troy and, you know, kind of see what they're up to and that kind of deal. So it's, it's nice for me to be able to connect with my friends, you, see you, see what you're up to, you know. <laughs> as far as the cars, though, I mean, is there nothing that can be surprising you as far as everything out there in every type of, you know, variety seems to be out there from the older cars to the newer ones? You know, that's a really good point. It, surprise is not, I, I kind of gave up being surprised a long time ago, but I'm impressed with a lot of stuff. I, I love, my big thing is workmanship. I always look at the workmanship. I love to look at the creativity that some people do. You know, some people build cars for SEMA with shock value just to make people look at them. And then others, they build things that are just really high quality cars. And then others are just kind of what we call SEMA vehicles, which are loaded up with a bunch of products to, you know, and they're all valid. They all have a place here. Um, you know, but I look at the ones, you know, where guys have really dug in and, you know, kind of gone after something and tried to create something. Over by the uh, Velocity booth, a uh, display over there, somebody built uh, something that looks like a 1962 Chrysler that they turned into the Dodge Diora. You know what that is, oh, right? Yeah, the Diora was one of my favorite cars. Right, yeah. a Hot Wheel and all the whole thing, and they did, they sort of built one from like, it looks like a 62 Chrysler. Did you see that? I have not seen it yet. I've got to check that out. That is like does it have the front windshield that flips out like the Diora to yeah, where you get in? Like it. it looks like it. I haven't seen it, but it's they've got everything shifted forward and the whole thing yeah. there. So that's something to check out. How's the show coming along? What's going on with that this season? Uh, we're in season 13, so we're really fortunate. Uh, been really blessed with that. Uh, I've got the SR71 project is coming back, and we're going to be out in your neck of the woods. Um, you're familiar with the stunt double project we're doing with the square body Chevy, which is it's kind of a play on the old uh, fall guy truck. Okay, yeah. We're calling it the stunt double. Uh, one of the things we're going to do is a big story on uh, stuntmen and their impact on culture and how important stunts are to movies and that kind of thing. Nobody's tapped that. And those guys, I mean, they're walking around. They're almost like professional athletes. They give pretty much their whole life for these stunts. We watch and we enjoy them. We don't think about the dude that's walking home with vertebrae all whacked. There's a couple of pictures out there, even a, a woman who was a stunt double yeah. who had some just horrific injuries because she was involved in a stunt gone wrong. And the thing is, these, you know, they don't get paid really well. I was a professional musician for a long time, and it's very similar to studio musicians. They go in and they basically make the hits, and then the person goes out and has the hits, but nobody knows who played drums or guitar on that album, you know. And they, they're sitting there, you know, going, well, that's, that's me playing drums on that. And everybody's like, yeah, sure, right. You know, and that's, you know, they, they get paid well when they do it, but there's no resids or anything for that. And so it's, it, it's time those guys got some credit. Again, your show airs when and where? It's on uh, 8 o'clock Saturday morning on Motor Trend Velocity. And then we're also on MAV-TV still. We're on a new uh, OTT network uh, over the top. Oh, I'm... Yeah. Tell me about that. What? Netflix, uh, Amazon sort of thing, uh, streaming sort of deal. And we're tied in. It's real music oriented. So it's all the, the network they've got now is all like country music, classic rock, that kind of thing. And we're the only car show, which fits right in. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. name a country music video that doesn't have a classic car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we pushed really hard, you know, for the uh, car and guitar connection because it's there. And so it's a natural thing. So that's going to be fun. Uh, be looking for that. We're trying to just connect all the dots here. 
You know, it's, as you saw when we were out in California, you know, car guys are everywhere. They're, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're stuntmen, they're guys working at the coffee house, you know, they're girls that are out, you know, in the gym, you know, it's just, they're everywhere. Stacy David and his show gears also everywhere. Our buddy from Long Beach, Ralph Holguin, was at the show. In fact, he was also pretty busy. But Ralph, what did you see while you were walking around that caught your eye? You, when you say that, you had a chance to walk around, it really doesn't mean that, right? Because we're getting stopped everywhere. But I got to say, I did run into a beautiful Chevelle that uh, I believe uh, was, uh, it was um, about a few years in the making. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna get the year wrong, so I'm not even gonna try, but God, that thing was unbelievable. And of course, I gotta give it up to my boy, Dave Kendig, and that beautiful going Mercedes. I mean, that is just absolutely stunning. There's all sorts of technology floating around here. Again, have you seen anything that just uh, thinks it, you think is just cutting edge? You know, I've seen a lot of people dropping iPads in the center consoles. So that was really unique in a lot of the classic cars. So really kind of utilizing that as their as their uh, their interface. I thought that was really cool if you know how to figure it out. Um, but man, I tell you, I haven't had a chance. I've been really busy, but I can't wait to walk through and see what else is out there. Okay, so you're walking around like so so much. What are the best shoes for you, most comfortable shoes for walking around SEMA? Because you're going to put 25, 30, 40,000 steps on your uh, Fitbit. All right, well, I'm a Nike guy, and right now I'm wearing the Jordan 1s, but I wear the Air Max, which really provide that cushion. So I'll wear those tomorrow, and I'll tell you what, my, my dogs are not going to be barking. <laughs> So your show coming up, what are you looking forward to that? What are you going to be seeing? You know what? Well, we got some great stuff coming up. I mean, the build's just getting better, the quality, everything about us. I think that we're just really becoming such a fine-tuned, oiled machine. And we're really pushing ourselves and our craftsmen to just be different. And, you know, we got that four-door 56 at the Resto Mod Air booth. And I think that kind of breaks the barrier, something that's unseen. But if it's done right, it's just so unique and accepted by the younger generation, which is something we need so i'm loving that and i'm loving the attention that's getting how about that a four-door 56 chevy that could be the next trend what's coming up next for the dynamic duo from mecham auctions john Craman and scott hoke how are you guys looking at sema well you know it's really not all about necessarily all about the great cars and the great exhibitors it's about the spirit of automobiles that continues to impress me and to really sort of stand out for the whole uh, SEMA experience. A lot of people are talking about, oh, millennials, they're not into cars like they were. Take a trip to SEMA and you're going to see all that change. Yeah, and Scott, there's a lot of cool cars here, but there's also a lot of technology stuff. I mean, is there anything here that impressed you at all? Well, first of all, this is my first trip to SEMA. Is it really? Yes, I am a SEMA rookie. I get to take my rookie stripes off after tomorrow. Uh, but you're right. The technology, I mean, some of the stuff that John and I see on a regular basis on cars, vintage air, billet specialties, you go on and on and on. We visited Ken Lingenfelter's booth a little while ago, and some of the stuff that he's doing with performance uh, machinery is, is off the chart. But there's so many other things that fit right into that category of what you said, JK, the spirit of the automotive industry and what's going on right now. It's, it's, it's amazing. What's going on right now is we are doing this particular segment in front of the Mecham trailer, which is outside near the, um, 
near the shredding tires location, apparently. <laughs> and uh, so that was nice placement. But you've been here. Has this been your location for a while? Yeah, this is sort of the place uh, where everybody begins to know this is where Mecham is at. So hopefully we're not going to move. And uh, what, what it does is, is it gives us a chance to interact with our viewers and also with our customers both on a casual basis that we don't get a chance to when we're at the auctions. We're on television and, you know, the days are long and, and we have to stay focused on that here. We're just car guys hanging out with all the other car guys having a ball. And uh, do they give you free earplugs on this, Scott? Or are you Actually, I brought my own earplugs. Good thinking. But I haven't had to use them. It's been, it's been okay over here on this side. And actually, this trailer, as you call it, which is true, it's called the Mecham Mobile Experience. And it goes to about 16 different locations all over the country. Locations where Mecham Auctions is not. Like, we'll be at McCacken, or the experience will be at McCacken. Good Guys shows, uh, NHRA events, NASCAR events, whatever. Just to give people that that might not have the opportunity to come to one of our auctions the chance to see what Mecham Auctions is all about. And of course, by trailer, I meant experience in the nicest, kindest possible way. I just want to make sure I've squared that off. And, and it's, not a, it's not like a trailer you pull behind your car. I mean, this is a big 53-foot semi, big rig with a with a you know a 2019 Hellcat that's riding on board too. I call it our show trailer. I think that's yeah, a good that's description of it. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I think that's okay. So, what have you uh, not seen yet that you want to see before you leave? Here is the problem. Here's the dilemma. Um, Seem is a four-day show. It runs Tuesday through Saturday, but with the amount of time that we have to spend at our location, we can only literally scratch the surface yes. of I don't know how many exhibitors. It's in the thousands. I'm not exaggerating. And the car count here is extreme as well. This is spread over the entire city. SEMA is the second largest convention in the largest convention city in the world, only second to the Consumer Electronics Show. People know, and it's not open to the public. It is a trade-only event. It's an amazing opportunity. If you find any way to sneak your way into SEMA, you want to do it. There are, there are a lot of people that are wearing badges that do not have their real names on them. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but one of, one, of the, one of the places that I would like to go, I, I want to go find Wayne Carini and just say, hey, because he's awesome. But I also want to, to go by the House of Color uh, paint exhibit, and I want to see if I can figure out a way, Randy, to get them to offer a Scott Hoke Blue. Ooh, I like that interesting tidbit that I was told by our good friend uh, Guy Larson who runs Bloomington Gold, the big annual Corvette show, and he said, hey John, have you been over to the Chevrolet display? They've got a big display inside Central Hall and I said, I haven't been down there yet. Why? And he goes make a chance to get down there and I will sneak down there. He says, go down there and take a look at the inventory they have on display and I said, why is that? And he said at the Chevy booth. At the Chevrolet booth. And I said, okay, why? And he goes they got a lot of great Camaros and a lot of great pickup trucks and not one Corvette on display. Really? And I would just say, for those of you that know that there's the possibility and the probability of a brand new Corvette coming out, the C8 replacing the C7, maybe this is one indicator that all yeah. those rumors are maybe yeah. starting to come true. Ah, a little behind the scenes stuff about you Chevy Corvette fans. No wonder Bloomington Gold is ticked off, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned on the Corvette news. And finally, our pal Alana Cher, formerly of Hot Rod Magazine and Roadkill, she stopped by to say hello at the MagnaFlow booth. Alana, what did you see of note? Well, I noticed a couple of trends, uh, and one of them is electric motors being swapped into older cars or like 
Chevy has the Ecopa, which is an electric drag car. And I'm torn between my love for things that are loud, but also my love for things that are interesting. And I think that this is really interesting. Can you imagine not only, and we've seen it with the uh, E-Series in um, IndyCar, can you imagine NHRA trying to do an E-Series? There, there would be a little bit something missing. Yeah, it would be interesting to see how they, how do you make up for the lack of, of noise? I, it'll be a lot of tire sound, but it, you know, it, it's interesting to me to just see how people solve problems and there'll be a whole bunch of new and interesting technical problems and you know, there's a lot of smart men and women out there racing. It'll be cool to see what they do with that. Yeah, and as the future comes in, and of course, all sorts of different innovation. As far as cars are concerned, anything really wow you car-wise? Um, I saw there was a really nice Talladega um, up towards the front, right near the Ford booth um, that Tom Bailey built. Uh, I always like the gear vendors booth because they always have a lot of these like street legal drag cars, you know, cars that have overdrive but also run like six seconds. Uh, Jeff Lutz is... Uh, Chevy was in there and that's a great looking car. Now you've been doing a lot of walking. What's the most comfortable shoes for a, an event like this? Um, ones with wheels, I think. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute, but your shoes don't have wheels. Uh, what are you wearing? I think I'm rocking Converse right now. We're going to have you on again because, you know, so much has changed from the last time we talked to you. Back then you were on uh, Roadkill and doing all sorts of things there. Now you're doing, I can't, I don't know if we have time to go through everything you're doing. Well, if you have me on again, I can tell you all about it. <laughs> all right, it's a deal. We're bringing Alana back. Stay tuned for when that happens. Remember to subscribe to Talking About Cars on Radio.com, iTunes, and KNX1070.com, so that way you can be notified when a new podcast is uploaded and you won't miss a thing. And if you're on iTunes, please give us five stars. You know, they can rank us by stars. And leave a comment about what you think of the podcast. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. You can also get some background to some of these interviews at TalkingAboutCars.net. And follow us on social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.